Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill. It's Monday. Welcome back. This is our second week. To remind you, we are the podcast that catches you up on everything entertainment every day. I'm Kiri. I'm from Social Squad, Mamma Mia's internal social media agency. I'm Laura Brodnick. I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor, TV critic, and um, I have a habit of getting too emotionally invested in fictional characters. So every weekday on The Spill, we're going to catch you up on the biggest entertainment and pop culture news of the day. We're like your tasty afternoon snack to get you home. Oh, sexy. Sexy I really that like I meant. That. I meant like a packet of chips or something. <laughs> on today's show, Beyonce is once again promoting a toxic diet culture. So why is everyone afraid to call her out on it? Everyone's nightmare. Lindsay Lohan and Dave Hughes have made international news while filming The Masked Singer Australia, but are we getting the full story? She complained about the fact that she had to go downstairs to smoke cigarettes. And Lena Dunham has spoken about her abusive relationship. So why has it changed the way people see Love Island? But first, Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex, has made history today as it's been announced she is the first ever guest editor of British Vogue September issue, which is going to be available end of this week. The issue is called Forces for Change and it features amazing women on the cover like New Zealand PM Jacinda Ardern, actresses Jane Fonda, Salma Hayek Penalt and Laverne Cox, as well as model Christy Turlington and many, many more. It also features a conversation between Meghan and former First Lady Michelle Obama and an interview with Prince Harry and English anthropologist Dr Jane Goodall. Laura, what are the pros and cons in this? Well, I'm going to be a bit biased here because I think there are only pros and no cons, even though already people are starting to kind of nitpick at the people she's chosen, the way she's chosen to do it. But honestly, I I feel like this is the first time that Meghan Markle has, you know, remember when she first came onto the scene, they were engaged and everyone thought that she was going to be this big catalyst for change. And then the first time we really saw her post-wedding, she was standing really demurely with her head down behind Prince Harry at some engagement. And I just thought she's not actually going to live up to all those promises she made about using her status and her position in the royal family as a force for change and I feel like I know she's done lots of little bits and pieces along the way but I feel like this cover and like the pieces that she's got in the magazine is really living up to the hype that she set up about what she was going to do because the women on this cover they would not be on the cover of Vogue if it wasn't for her putting this forward. We're going to go 100% plant-based from now through Coachella. I'm I'm back on the stage after giving birth to twins. I was a woman that felt like my body was not mine. We know the power of vegetables, we know the power of plants, we know the power of... Beyonce, mother of three, founder of Destiny's Child and woman that was thought to be able to do no wrong, is selling the meal plan that she followed to prepare for her Coachella set and it'll cost you $14 a month or $99 a year to sign up for it. Made alongside exercise psychologist Marco Borges, Beyonce posted a video to her YouTube channel promoting the diet and it's what she said in the video that have people a little bit upset. Good morning. It's 5 a.m. and this is day one 
of rehearsals for Coachella. Every woman's nightmare. This is my weight. 175. Long way to go. Let's get it. Laura, why are so many people upset about this? First of all, I think the wrong headline has been pulled out of this clip because a lot of people are getting upset that she's promoting um, bad body image and toxic diet culture just by looking at her weight and saying that this particular weight is every woman's nightmare. And I think when you watch the clip and you listen to it, she's not saying that particular weight is every woman's nightmare. She's saying the process of getting on the scales and feeling overweight is every woman's nightmare. But I think the reason people are getting upset, although not as upset as they should be with Beyonce, in my opinion, is that she is promoting, and she has been for decades, a really toxic diet culture, and she doesn't get called out on it in the same way that other celebrities do. Because this isn't the first time that she's done this. I know that this 22 program she launched in, what, 2015 with the same um, exercise psychologist. Did people care about it back then? Yeah, I mean, that was the first time. I mean, this has been a long road for her where she has been promoting a really toxic way of looking at food and diet and body image. And I do understand that it's not completely her fault. I mean, we like to kind of look at her as this, you know, big change maker, powerful woman, her own boss, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, she's still a product of the entertainment industry. She's still a woman who's been told that her only worth is based on her body to an extent. And so the first kind of hint of this toxic culture that she's been promoting was back in 2015, 2016, when she talked about how much weight she'd lost for her role in Dreamgirls. But it was her first big role into kind of getting into being a Hollywood superstar. And at the time, she sat down with people like Oprah Winfrey and talked about how she'd lost the weight. Beyonce, I heard you lost 20 pounds. I did. We all want to know, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? Well, I figured in in the 60s, Twiggy was the hot model and Diana and Cher, all the legends were thinner than, than I am. Um, So I decided I wanted to lose weight and make a physical transformation. And it was difficult because I love food. I love to eat. Uh, I did a fast, a master cleanser for for 14 days. And it was all liquid. And then vegetables worked out. It was difficult. Everybody was eating Krispy Kremes around me. I was grouchy. Yeah. But I did it and I lost the weight. They didn't ask you to lose. You just lost on your own? No, I wanted to. Uh-huh. I wanted, uh, I played young Dina when I'm, I'm about, about 16. Yeah. And then I grow to my mid-30s. So I wanted it to be so she kind of promoted that as a way to kind of, if you want to win your Oscar and be taken seriously, you know, you kind of have to starve yourself. And then also this year, she released that behind the scenes documentary Homecoming about her big, like the lead up to her Coachella performance. And once again, this is where I think it got really dangerous. And I was really horrified at the way a lot of people on social media were saying, um, influencers and just regular people I follow were sitting their kids down and saying like, I got my daughters to watch this Beyonce documentary because I want them to see what excellence looks like. I want them to see what hard work looks like. But in that, Beyonce the whole time is talking about the fact that she's starving, that she's hungry, that she's trying to get her body back. So there's less of a focus on the music performance and more about the fact of what she's putting herself through to get to that level. And I just think it's really dangerous because we equate her with excellence and we equate her with being a champion of women and we equate her with like the pinnacle of success for her talent, which is very earned. Like I think no one's debating her talent. But at the same time, I don't understand why no one's calling her out for this toxic diet and body information that she's been putting out for decades. I really felt for her 
in the little YouTube snippet that said that she was going back on stage after giving birth to twins and she did and she was in a body that didn't feel like her own and that I felt like I could relate to I haven't had children but I know that you know weight different weight gain you're in a body you don't really feel like it's your own so I understood that part of it so I didn't walk away from watching that video very shocked at all I think again like you that that was really taken out of context her jumping on the scale and saying that's every woman's worst nightmare not weighing 175 pounds which is around 79 80 kilos um if you're wondering but yeah I don't know I, just, I feel like we don't say anything because she's a bit untouchable but I think it will change I think she she the more missteps that she makes she gets called out a lot for different things that she does but it doesn't seem to make a difference to her see I don't think she is going to change I think this the, the amount that she's getting called out is such a tiny blip and no one's been asked for the content to be taken down or taken off no other celebrities are speaking up against her and I agree if she just talked about the fact that she felt uncomfortable in her body or she needed more energy and Awesome. If she talked about needing energy and fitness to be on stage, absolutely. Like athletes do that, performers do that, but she's not. She's talking about starving herself, which I don't understand how that could give her energy to be on stage. And I just think if the media and parents and social commentators don't call it out, then Beyonce will do more harm than Kim Kardashian. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. So our friend Lindsay Lowen is making headlines again. In a good way, she's got a new job. In Masked Singer News, which is the show that we talked about last week, the hit US show that we are now doing with an Aussie spin, uh, and the judges are going to be Danny Minogue, Lindsay Lohan, Dave Hughes, and Jackie O. But this week it's made some headlines because of some behind-the-scenes drama, we might say. Dave Hughes came out on his radio show and had a couple of things to say about Lindsay's work ethic, which was then picked up by International News. Look, there was I was in the same room as Lindsay Lohan for at least four hours. Wow. Mm. At one point, we both went out of the room. She went first, I think, and then I sort of followed her. <laughs> and she complained about the fact that she had to go downstairs to smoke cigarettes. And I, again, I said, you shouldn't have to go downstairs. Yeah. And when'd she say that? Yeah. Well, she didn't, you know, she wasn't, she was, she's yeah, happy she, to follow the, she's not happy to follow the rules, but, but she she's will. not going to break the rules. Okay. And then we both discussed about how much more we had to talk about, like how much longer this workshop should go. Oh, you both wanted to leave the workshop. We both was... thought we'd workshopped enough. Okay. And did she come back from the cigarette or did she just leave? She, I came back from, and then she, and then we started the workshop without her and we the discussion was had, let's start. We don't know how long Lindsay's going to be. <laughs> someone go to the airport. Do we have someone? Does Channel 10 have someone manning the airport? The comments were quickly picked up by gossip sites in the US and even made their way onto the Wendy Williams show. Unimpressed with her reported behaviour, Wendy suggested that she get rid of the minder and get a dictaphone. That was a bit burn-like, wasn't it? 
Yeah, look, I think everyone's kind of looking at this as a bit of a, a bad press day for Lindsay Lohan, the Masked Singer, but I think this is exactly why she's there. This is exactly why they've brought her over to be part of the show, is to get press, is to get headlines, and she's doing that already. So as far as I'm concerned, she's really earned her paycheck. And I think it has been taken a little bit out of context. So Jackie O, who's obviously a radio host in Sydney and is on the show with Dave and Lindsay, came out and then on her radio show, it's become a whole saga of radio show talkback, saying that. Dave's comments have been taken out of context, that he has a really jovial, you know, um, way of talking and that it, when written down, his comments look a lot harsher than they are, which I think is true. I agree. So I feel I feel like they're all just doing what they have to do. They're making their show. They're all getting press for their radio shows, for the TV show. I think it's fine. And if Lindsay Lohan doesn't want to write notes, I feel like she has earned the right not to. Lena Dunham has done the impossible and changed people's mind about Love Island. So Lena Dunham is a writer, actress and producer. You might know her from the hit TV show Girls. She's been spending the summer across the pond in the UK, specifically in Wales, to shoot a new HBO high finance drama called Industry, which actually looks really good. It was there that she discovered Love Island UK and subsequently has written a piece about the show in The Guardian over the weekend, which has changed some highbrow TV watchers' minds. And I think a couple of people and now rethinking maybe their quick-to-judge attitude on what I personally feel like is God's gift to us for TV. So for those of you who don't watch Love Island like I do, Love Island is a British dating show where a cast of genetically blessed young singles head to Spain for a summer of love and romance and the winning couple leave the island with £50,000. So Laura, I know you aren't the biggest fan of Love Island. What did you think of Lena's piece? Yeah, look, I'm one of those highbrow people you were just talking about (laughs) who was firmly of the belief that I was way too good to watch Love Island and so I never did. But this piece that Lena's written is quite transformative because it's actually, and I've read it a few times now because there's so much to unpick from it, it's changed my mind about Love Island. It's changed my mind about Lena Dunham to an extent. It's also maybe changed my mind about love. There's a lot happening there. So I think, so as you said, she sets up the scene that she's working in Wales on this new project and all of a sudden she gets a nine o'clock curfew every night and that curfew is that she has to be home to watch Love Island UK. And she talked about also the fact of why she was there, not just for work, but the mindset she was in. And this is the real crux of the story. She was there because she'd had a series of, um, you know, bad romantic failures and relationships and she said that she arrived there with all my art supplies and no lacy underwear. I had zero (laughs) fantasies about a summer romance and I hadn't had sex in seven months, which is a long time to go without sex, but that's neither here nor there. But reading Lena's piece, she talks about how she was in a way primed for the TV series because she just had a recent split, well, a few months ago when this piece was written, she'd had a recent split from her really high profile, long-term relationship with musician Jack Antonoff. So obviously that that was really in the public eye. We knew all about that and they both posted, you know, um, Instagram public messages around their breakup. What we didn't know is what really followed in her personal life after that. And for someone who has used their personal life as fodder for their pretty much their whole career, you know, she's made TV shows off it, podcasts, books, Instagram. We've seen photos of her lying in hospital with her scars still like red and raw from surgery. So I feel like we, we always have had the inside track on Lena Dunham's life. And this profile gave us a really interesting look on things that she hadn't been talking about. So she went in to say that after breaking up with Jack, she met someone new and started an explosive and uncomfortable five-month relationship during which they became briefly engaged after he proposed to her with the lace of a Timberland boot while snowed into her parents' apartment. 
Then she goes on to say she doesn't use the words abusive relationship, but just reading between the lines, she goes on to say, I quickly realised I wasn't safe with this person. I moved on to someone else. So she's really then taking us through how quickly you can bounce from one really intense relationship to another because she's saying she's going from this really abusive relationship to this one that was really lovely. She said it was like licking my wounds. We took care of each other. We spent the summer in Los Angeles. We raised a kitten together. And then she had this gnawing feeling that what she was talking about, that this relationship wasn't right. And then that all would have just been interesting within itself. But then she went into equating it in a way to these Love Island characters and what they were going through in this, what are they in, some massive house, some mansion or something like that. And it was just really interesting how they actually are having relationships in this house and she and they were mirroring her, their own. Yeah, I think the whole premise of the show is to find love and the people that get stay and it's not based on their looks it's based on how strong their relationships are and how it's got to be based on their looks a little bit don't no they just way. Pick, don't they just pick conventionally attractive skinny people and put them in bikinis and they go on to have clothing lines on Instagram afterwards but is looks, that not right looks only get you so far so last year they had um Dr Alex who was he was okay looking. He wasn't bad looking at all, but he was a doctor and very intellectual, but really awkward. But he was like the – everyone loved him. He was the public's favourite. He almost went through all the way to the end without even having a couple. So he was in a friendship couple for a long time, and the public kept him in because they really, really wanted him to get someone nice. This year we had another girl on there who was really smart and just – terrible in love but we kept her on there because we were really excited about it I don't think the reason why I think she's drawing these comparisons is because on the surface of looking at a show absolutely it just looks like one of those other dating shows everyone's on there for looks but if you don't have a good personality if you don't have good banter good crack you won't stay on there and I think that's why Lena Dunham was able to draw comparisons because she saw that it's a really even though it sounds crazy, it's an authentic representation of what dating is like. It's just fast forwarded because they spend every single day and night together. And another thing I wanted to point out, just so that people know, they actually limit the amount of alcohol consumption. So they try and make it as safe environment as possible. And that's why I think that people really get behind it. Yeah, look, that point of that it actually mirrors a real dating world is the thing that really got me. And like Lena wrote in her piece, she said, it is a fantasy world, but in their love is split, sped up and it's clarified. I think there's really something powerful in that. And also just the recovery from heartbreak, which I didn't really know was happening in the Love Island house, but how she really so eloquently linked to her own personal story and also that idea of that you have to keep that love and relationships are so brutal and you have to keep picking yourself back up over and over again which the girls and the guys to an extent too from her piece in this house do and I love that she concluded her essay saying that she hopes to find love herself and she has to find someone who is okay with being these are her words okay with being in love with an infertile chubby controlling fantasist who has made a lot of mistakes but can't stop trying and I just think maybe I'll, I mean, I'm not going to go watch Love Island. Let's not get crazy. But I don't, I think that there is, like so many other TV shows, and this is why we talk about them, this is why we have a podcast about them, is that they're such a catalyst for social conversation, social issues, and for seeing yourself on screen. So maybe I'll give Love Island a pass. That's it for The Spill today. We'll be back tomorrow with more entertainment news. If you have a story you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at mamamia.com.au. If you're after something else to listen to, check out the latest episode of No Filter with Mia Friedman. It's got a tsunami survivor on there who is now on Survivor. And remember, subscribe to us in your podcast app and leave us a five-star review. The Spill is produced by Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.